episode two of Lifting the Kilt on Men's Health, a podcast series run by Men's Health Done Under. Each episode, we will be focusing on a different area of men's health, and this week's star is the prostate. My name is Warwick Marks, and I'll be hosting today's podcast. I'm not a medical professional, and so I'll hopefully be asking all the questions no one else wants to ask. To answer these questions today, I'm joined by pharmacist and founder of Men's Health Done Under, Brad Bart. Hi, Brad. Hey, Warwick. Thanks for having us. No problem. Look, I guess where I wanted to start today, Brad, was I really don't know what a prostate is. I think if I look back, um, I'm a 55-year-old male and I've got some friends now that have had prostate cancer and I'm probably uh, in, in the zone of the age group for maybe starting to have prostate problems. But really, I guess my uh, ex- uh, understanding of male anatomy probably goes back to year nine, um, you know, sex education and uh I went to university, did engineering. I understand how cars work and machines work. I really don't, I guess, understand a lot about how the uh, the male body works, especially internally. And the, and the prostate, something doesn't really, has never been of great interest to me. Um, I kind of wondered if it's a bit like the appendix. It's one of those things that's there and doesn't serve a purpose. So I guess if we could start off and just uh, enlighten me, I guess, Brad, what is the prostate? What's its purpose? Why is it there? And uh, then we can talk about maybe some of the problems people get with it. Warwick, the, um, I think that would be true of, of, of most men. In fact, uh, you know, uh, I would be the first to have told you, you know, a few years ago I had no idea what a prostate was either. And, um, uh, you know, I think it's, it's insightful f- just to talk about it briefly. Um, so, so essentially the prostate is a gland, a small, small gland, and it, and it sits between the bladder and, um, and the testicles. Uh, so it's it's typically in a healthy state. It's about the size of a walnut. Uh, it, it's smoothed to the touch, uh, and it's part of um, the male reproductive system. So it sits, like I said, under the bladder, the urethra, the pipe that that takes the urine out of the body from the bladder through the penis, runs right through the centre of the prostate. Um, and there's also some other little glands around it that. Um, create fluid. So when you when you ejaculate some of that fluid that comes out, the ejaculate is um is it, it comes from the glands around the prostate. So I guess probably to a similar extent to the to the appendix, the prostate serves not a great deal of function. However, you know, without the prostate things are a little bit different. So uh, I guess it is a little more important than the than the appendix that you reference. Uh, particularly particularly around um, ejaculation, um, you know, some of the sensation you get and the ejaculate fluid that comes with um, with the semen. Right. So that's given us a little bit of, a, I guess, an overview of what the prostate is. I, I guess I didn't really think of how, how small it was when you hear about all the, all the problems it causes uh, people. What kind of things go wrong with the prostate? Obviously, I've heard about prostate cancer because I've had um, uh, peers that have had the prostate cancer now. Um, so... What other things go wrong with the prostate, and why do they go wrong? The most common, most common thing that goes wrong with the prostate is called BPH or benign prostatic hyperplasia. BPH essentially refers to inflammation of the prostate, um, and it's really quite prevalent. So, if you're a 50 year old male, there's there's roughly a 50 percent likelihood of you having this BPH. Now, BPH, you know, you think, crikey, that doesn't sound real great, or this, you know, swollen or enlarged prostate. Um, but it is just a part of the natural ageing process. So, you know, it's not really a disease or anything to be too alarmed about. And for most men, you know, mild BPH or inflammation of the prostate 
simply simply causes um, you know maybe a, a little bit of nighttime urination, so they have to get up and go to the toilet at night a couple of times. Um, that can get worse, this BPH or, or swollen swelling of the prostate, and it can get to the point where you know it's difficult to start urinating, difficult to stop urinating, uh, and that's essentially because as the prostate swells, and you recall we just spoke about how the urethra, the urine pipe work, leads from the bladder down through the prostate, right through the middle of it and out via the penis. As that prostate swells or becomes enlarged or inflamed, it puts pressure back on those pipes. And it's a bit like, you know, if you've got a a straw running through an apple, I suppose it probably looks a bit like a straw running through a, a walnut. If you put pressure on the inside of that walnut, it puts pressure back on the pipe work and and things don't work as well. And it's typically urinary related. So you know, the blokes might say I have difficulty starting urination or have difficulty stopping urination or I get up multiple times at night to go to the toilet. Um, interestingly, as we age, the incidence of this BPH or swollen prostate increases. Uh, you know, and roughly speaking, if you're 60, there's a 60% chance of some BPH. 75, you'll have a you know one in three, 75% chance, a two in three um, a chance of having BPH. Uh, and if you're 80, 80% chance, you know, if you're 100, you're very likely to have BPH. For the most part, it's benign, meaning that it's um, it doesn't cause any drastic health issues. Yes, you might have to go and see the, the urologist and get some work done to make sure that it's nothing more sinister and you reference prostate cancer. Certainly, um, prostate cancer is far more serious. It does cause inflammation of the prostate, which can cause similar symptoms. So it is important to get that uh, urologist or, you know, the doctor to, to double check that everything is as it should be. Um, but for the most part, it's benign. It um, doesn't cause too many headaches outside of that um, ur- urination issue. Um, and men go about their lives pretty happily with it. Uh, and I think we'll talk about BPH in a, in a further episode anyway. Beyond BPH, Yes, prostate cancer can occur. Um, incidence of prostate cancer is is about twenty thousand patients annually. Men, twenty thousand men annually in Australia uh, have a diagnosis of prostate cancer. Um, other less common conditions include things like proctitis, um, which is inflammation of the prostate related to an infection, um, and it's it's again typically diagnosed by the urologist and managed by the urologist um, with antibiotics, uh, and it generally generally comes good with a course of antibiotics. Um, it can cause other sorts of issues like blood in the urine. Um, Pain upon ejaculation, and a few other, a few other slightly more alarming side effects, and and that that in itself is not a bad thing because it does encourage men to get in and see their doctor um, to make sure everything's okay. So, is the are the problems that men have with their prostate is it age related? You said it's more prevalent over fifty. Mm. Does it happen to younger men? And if it is an age related thing, what is it? Um, is it just about getting older and there's nothing you can do about it? Um, yeah, yeah, essentially. So, I mean, look, we, you know, you'll see, sadly, you, you know, men can have prostate cancer from, you know, possibly from 40. Uh, you know, you do get the odd patient in that situation. And certainly if you've got a family history of prostate cancer, the likelihood of you having prostate cancer, you know, increases. And you do see 
trends between, you know, yep, my dad had prostate cancer. I've got something going on. My brother had prostate cancer. I've got something going on. And maybe even a link between mothers that had breast cancer and um, and the, the son, you know, developing prostate cancer. Um, typically the BPH or swelling of the prostate is age-related and that's just part of normal healthy ageing. It's inconvenient, but it typically is healthy ageing. Um, there's not a great deal you can do, you know, obviously living a good, healthy life, eating the right foods, diet, exercise, keeping cholesterol under control, blood pressure under control, blood sugar under control. All of those general lifestyle tips are, are you know, are worth adhering to, but they're not a surefire way to, to reduce the risk of getting, you know, an enlarged or swollen prostate um, that's, that's non-cancerous. Um, you know, we do see a number of men um, that take supplements from their doctors, be it their urologist or their, their um, general practitioner. And that could be things like um, uh, curcumin, which is turmeric, so natural medication which reduces inflammation, or things like um, pomegranate and some of these other antioxidants. Again, the, the, uh, or saw pimento is another popular one, which helps with the symptoms of some of these conditions like benign prostatic hyperplasia or this BPH swelling of the prostate. Uh, but there's really uh, grey evidence, I suppose, at best to show that they, they're going to reduce your incidence. Um, symptomatically, they can help a little bit, but for the most part, healthy, healthy age-related um, prostate issues like BPH are pretty common. Things like proctitis, the one that was caused by the infection, uh, they can affect men of all ages, um, typically of men of reproductive ages and older. Um, so you do see younger men, you know, in their 20s uh, and, and beyond uh, presenting with, with proctitis. Okay, so um, I know we're going to have an episode uh, in the future which is specifically about uh, prostate cancer and its treatments and all those kind of things. But just in a general sense, if um, one of the treatments, from what I understand, for prostate cancer is actually removing the prostate, so what happens, like... Do you work without a prostate in a general sense? I know we'll probably go into more specifics when we talk about the um, treatment for prostate cancer. Yeah, so you're right. You, you, you know, without the prostate, you you certainly can function relatively happily. And there's probably there's probably men out there that would would beg to differ. Um, but you can certainly live without your prostate. It's it's um you know it, it's not a, it's not as bad as you know, having a kidney taken, for instance. Um, so. What, what we tend to find, though, the reality is that when the prostate's removed, you know, some of those other little glands that we talked about, the seminal vesicles, you know, that, that sort of, that some of those glands might be um, damaged or removed as well. And that can change, you know, the way a man ejaculates. And it can, um, certainly there can be flow-through effects from having the surgery uh, where the prostate's removed, where, you know, continence mightn't be as good. And certainly, you know, for a lot of men, erectile um, strength is diminished as a result of having the surgery, at least for a period of time. Uh, so I guess the surgery itself can be can complicate things. The removing of the prostate, if you could do it in a situation whereby you didn't damage you know, nerves and blood flow to the area, um, you know, it, would be a fair, it would be fairly much a non-event removing the prostate. You wouldn't terribly much miss it. I guess the, the point you make is that when the surgery occurs, you know, the, your, your life can change, particularly with respect to erectile function and, and urinary continence. Yeah. Okay. And I know that's one of the, the main drivers behind Men's Health Down Under the whole service is helping people through that. And I guess over the, the coming podcast, we'll talk more about that. Yeah, I think it is It is important to cover that in more depth um, because 
there's a lot of men, you know, 20,000 20, men annually diagnosed with prostate cancer. And it is, it is the largest, um, largest male cancer in Australia. Um, and in fact, it's the second most common cancer in Australia behind breast cancer. So it is, it is right up there and it, is, uh, you know, it does have a massive impact on men within our community. Yeah. So just just recapping, um, what signs um, are going to make me go and see the doctor? So if I've got nothing wrong, should I be going to the doctor and getting checked anyway? Is there an age thing you should go, look, all men over 60 should get a, a prostate exam? Um, or is it just when there's certain signs that you should get a um, go to the, see the doctor? And do you start just with the GP? Like, where do you start and what do you do? Yeah, look, it's a bit of it's a bit of both with respect to when do you go for a test. the The place to go is the GP. Absolutely, the GP, um, you know, holds all the cards and, and is able to, you know, do some referrals for bloods, um, which you know will give them a bit of a an idea how things are going. You know, sometimes they they'll do the old digital rectal exam to see what the prostate feels like. And you might remember back at the start we talked about, you know, the prostate normally is about the size of a walnut, um, and the the surface would generally feel smooth to the doctor. Um, you know, when it becomes inflamed, it it def, you know will feel larger and it might feel nodular or bumpy. Um, as for when you should start getting this stuff looked at, as a rule, they the the advice is. If you've got a family history of prostate cancer or prostate issues, go and get it checked from 40. Um, if you don't, typically the advice is get it checked from 50. Uh, and I suppose 50 is a, as an age for, for humans generally is a good time to get that 100,000K checkup like you would for your car. You know, it's a bit of an overhaul. Get everything checked. Make sure everything's in order. Uh, and certainly prostate health is part of that 50-year-old health check that, that should be done. Um, ter- in terms of signs and symptoms, certainly if you have, if, if somebody was having symptoms um, such as nighttime, you know, having to get up multiple times at night to go to the toilet, or difficulty starting urination, difficulty stopping urination, you know, you get a bit of a dribble. I think we've probably all had a little bit of a dribble from time to time where you don't, you know, clamp the bladder off properly. Um, but this would be on a more frequent basis, um, you know, if you found that you were frequenting the toilet more often, you know, normally men can hold on for a fair while, but if you're going more frequently, another good sign to go and get it checked. Um, but then there's red flag things as well. So things that you would think, oh, gee, there's something absolutely wrong. So if there's blood in the urine, um, you know, that's unusual, you know, that absolutely needs to be checked. Um, pain upon ejaculation, again, unusual, not nice, go and see the doctor. Um Often we find that the diagnosis is in, is, is in part serendipitous. You know, the chap's been in for, you know, lower, lower abdominal ultrasound because they might have had a hernia or something else going on and the the doctor or the sonographer doing the ultrasound says, oh, you've got a bit of an enlarged prostate, and, you know, and it come, can come from that. Um, health checks through work, another place we tend to find prostate cancer picked up. Um, and, again, it's a bit serendipitous. The bloke might not have had any of those symptoms necessarily. Um, their PSA, PSA is a marker of inflammation of the prostate. It was probably remiss of us not to discuss that before, but and we can. But the PSA we find um, is a marker of inflammation of the prostate. So if you've got a bit of this BPH we talked about before, certainly you'd expect on a blood test for there to be 
you know, a little bit of elevation in, in this PSA. So the PSA, sorry, that's from having a blood test specific, is it, to measure that? Yeah, so the doctor will get a blood test done. And I think it's important to note with, with PSA, the blood test for the PSA, one one test is really not diagnostic. It tells us a little bit about what's going on, but it's one of those ones that you really want to check time and time and time and time again. And you look for a trend. So you're looking for not ju- not just a gradual increase in the PSA, because we do expect that it will gradually increase as time goes on. You're looking for a sharp jump. And that, well, the doctor's looking for a sharp jump. And that, that might be going from, you know, always being a PSA of two to it going up to, you know, three and a half, or but equally it might be always 10 and then it goes up to 15. So the 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 GP, the urologist, you know, will keep a fairly close check on that because that's one way they can see if things are starting to go wrong with the prostate. It might start out as just being swollen and old age related or, or, or aging related, uh, but, it, but it can change and that'll then alert them to the fact that something else needs to be done. Right. So it's not like, I guess, a and correct me if I'm wrong, I might be oversimplifying, it's not like a cholesterol where if I've got an eight cholesterol and my mate's got four, I've got a problem. It's actually if I'm at 15, my mate's 10, it's more about the the trend over time of those PSA levels, so where they shift over time, not what the absolute value of them is. So if I'm comparing with a friend's PSA, it might be a reason to get worried unless my trend is... um, that it's rising. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, so that's exactly right. So you know, your number compared to your mate's number, you know, may not necessarily, well, it doesn't tell you anything definitively. It's about your trend. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, scarily enough, you can find that a fairly flat PSA, um, you know, with just small changes, you know, men do end up having prostate cancer in that situation every now and again. But again, it'll often be accompanied by some other symptoms and um, that's why I guess it's so important to make sure that the the GP and or the urologist are um, you know are on top of it. And and equally, if you think something's not quite right, absolutely mention it. And um, it's not hard to get it checked up. So the PSA is not a hundred percent. It's an it's an indicator um, for what uh, the doctor will be looking at. But I know there is an, an exam the doctor does, does. You alluded to earlier. So maybe you could just tell us about what what to expect if I'm going to get my prostate. Uh, examination because that's probably I think for a lot of blokes um, maybe one of the big fears and the jokes yeah. um, that people have. So can you demystify that? Um, what is the prostate exam? How, how does it work? What's what's it involve? You tend to find these days, Warwick, that the, the thing that they that doctors rely on most is actually the PSA. So for you know, and it's it's a bit reminiscent of that um, comment Julia Gillard made, you know, all those years ago when she was in government, or her partner in fact made about getting a digital rectal exam, which is where the doctor physically examines the, the prostate by, by putting their finger up the rectum. Um, and you can feel the prostate in there without too much trouble. Um, typically, the, the GP's not going to go fishing around doing a, a digital rectal examination um, unless they've got some cause to. So the first port of call for the GP is, let's do a simple blood test and see what the PSA says. And um, you know, if there's reason to believe something else might be going on, uh, you know, if you've got perhaps proctitis um, or something else, then the doctor may say, okay, well, look, you know, maybe we do this digital rectal exam. Um, it's a it's a very straightforward process. Um, you know, it's probably a little uncomfortable, the thought of it, and perhaps, you know, getting into position. Um, but generally speaking, the doctors are, um, are more inclined to check for bloods first and then they'll do a, a rectal examination if they feel it warranted. 
Fantastic. Okay, Brad, I think that was really good. It certainly um, demystified the prostate a lot for me. As I said, um, I think a lot of blokes don't really know what's going on inside um, of their bodies. Um, and so that was that was excellent. Um, next time we'll be talking about um, giving the lowdown on prostate cancer. And I think uh, you mentioned to me that you think uh, you're probably the man with the most mates these days without a prostate, um, given all the people you're, um, you're dealing with. Um, who have uh, had prostate cancer and their recovery from that. So we're going to have a, a whole session on that on the next podcast. It'll be a good conversation. Great. Thanks very much for your time and thanks for joining us on Lifting the Kilt on Men's Health Down Under. Thanks, Warwick. Some of the information in this podcast may be of a medical nature, including discussions about medical conditions, treatments and other insights related to patient experiences. The opinions and advice articulated in the podcast are intended to be generally nature and do not constitute specific medical advice or opinion. Please refer to your own doctor or healthcare team or one of the Men's Health Down Under practitioners if you have a specific question or concern. Mm-hmm.